Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Sunday is somewhat of a liturgical pastiche. It is a mishmash of salvation themes, a patchwork of redemptive symbols. What we have today really is a trailer where we are weaving in and out of what is to come over the next 57 days. Today's liturgy is really an elliptical poem, a poem that goes back and forth between promise and hope, tragedy and sorrow, triumph and joy, mourning and victory. Our liturgical celebration this morning began with, actually began with the end, the glorious end. And we were admonished to rejoice in that final triumph. But before we get too comfortable with that upbeat theme, We are then led into the valley of tears and sorrow. We descend into the darkest hour the cosmos has ever or will ever know. But we begin by looking forward to Pentecost in the blessing of the palms. And we end by preparing ourselves for Good Friday. We begin today in this great celebration of Palm Sunday with the blessing of the palm. Palm and olive, other majestic tree branches, traditionally in parts of the world where they didn't have palm trees and before FedEx was, you know, carrying things around, they would bless whatever tree branches they had available. In England, for example, it was boxwood and willow. Today we even have, you know, beautiful bamboo canopy down our central aisle. The initial ceremony of blessing the palms is unique among all our liturgical rites in the church. It leads us to believe that Mass has actually begun. (laughs) It's all there, you know. We have the introit, the choir sings, we have a first reading, we have a gospel procession and gospel reading. We even have a sursum corda, lift up your hearts, and a proper preface, just like we do in the Mass. It's very unique among all our liturgical rites in the year. And it's meant to impress upon us the great solemnity of what we did this morning in blessing these palms. The opening antiphon, which as I said acts as an introit, it's the joyous acclamation that we hear from the crowds in the gospel as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. After that, we have a collect, and then we have our first reading from Exodus. The reading from Exodus comes just after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea under Moses. And Moses then gives us the great song of deliverance. 
Our reading picks up right there. The scene of God's people just freed from slavery, preparing for their trek through the wilderness. And God provides for them manna, the bread from heaven. As we read this, we are to think of our deliverance from sin and death and our sojourn in this corrupt world and God's provision of the very flesh and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. That sacrament which is our strength for the journey and our foretaste of immortality. After this reading from Exodus, we have a gospel, procession and lesson. And this gospel recounts Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on the foal of an ass. There's the waving of the palm branches and the olive branches by the people. A great joyous proclamation that the Son of David, the Messiah, the true King of Israel, has finally come and is ushering in the kingdom of God. This event is the realization of the hope of all mankind. After the gospel, we bless the branches, the palms, and whatever branches we happen to have. They're always called palms, though, and olive branches, even if they are, you know, bamboo and willow. We bless them with great solemnity. With great solemnity. Now, up till now, we've had symbols of Passover, which reflect Good Friday. But in the blessing of the palms... Something very interesting. There's actually a prefiguration, an anticipation of Pentecost in the blessing of palms, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. Pentecost, prefigured by the Feast of Booths, of Tabernacles. This is the climax and fulfillment. It is the harvest fruit of Good Friday. And it is what we are moving towards. In Leviticus, in chapter 23, Moses actually lays down a law for a great celebration of joy. The Israelites were commanded, in the sternest possible language, to express their thanksgiving and joy to God with a great celebration. They're actually warned that if they fail to do this, if they fail to be happy and to celebrate, that they will be cut off. From Israel. Very interesting to think that we need to be commanded to be happy and have a party. How many times have you told your kids, stop sulking around and put a smile on your face? In this feast of feasts, God tells us the same thing. Precisely what he's telling us on this day. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, there's a lot of suffering yet to go through in this life. We have an uphill battle, and yet we are commanded to rejoice. If they failed to keep this party, they were cut off. We are commanded to rejoice, to believe in the deliverance and the victory of God, to enter into it by faith, and to sing the song of deliverance. That is the essential meaning of the branches, by the way. This is what they mean to the Jews and to us, is this song of joy, of deliverance, of rejoicing. The branches are an expression of our joy, our victory dance. It's a dance we can only dance if we believe in the victory of Christ. 
We are a people of the resurrection. We are immortal. We shall never die. We live and we move in that reality, no matter the current circumstances that we have to yet endure. That is our faith. That is the command of God. Christ is risen and all shall be well. The passage from Leviticus chapter 23 reads thus in the instructions for this feast of tabernacles. It says, on the first day, you must take for yourselves branches from majestic trees, palm branches, branches of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you must rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You must celebrate it as a pilgrim festival. This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. Now the prayers that we pray over the Psalms are also really powerful. We could do a whole long Sunday school series on these prayers that would last about two and a half years. These Psalms recount God's covenant with Noah. We even dip into Noah. To Noah and the olive branch that the dove brought back. They talk about the deliverance of Israel from Egypt under Moses. They talk about our entrance into the everlasting joy of the coming kingdom. They speak of the gathering together of all God's people throughout the ages into a great multitude of the redeemed. They speak again and again of our victory over our enemies. This is a major theme in these prayers. Our victory over our enemies. And of God's abundant mercy and blessing in his dispensation of salvation. And also, very interestingly, the prayers of blessing over the palms repeatedly speak of these palms that you're holding in your hands as symbols, as sacraments, physical sacraments of God's protection of you against your enemies. And of signs of our ultimate victory. These palms are sacraments of protection, which we need. We need protection, and God protects us through the sacraments because we still have to sojourn through this wilderness of a corrupt world, which is filled with spiritual foes who seek to devour us. These palms are going to be taken home, venerated and treasured by you. They will adorn your homes in this coming year. And they will provide for you, according to the prayers that we prayed today, sacramental protection in your homes. So please treat them with reverence. They will be for you a symbol of joy, of Christ's victory over death and hell and the devil. When you look at them, you remember this day, and you remember Christ's victory. And you remember our cries of Hosanna in joy. The prayers that we said also remind us that we are to be taught by Christ's entry into Jerusalem on a humble cult that the way of victory is the way of humility and meekness. Our victorious king ushered in the kingdom and won the victory through weakness, through dying. That is the way. And we are to imitate him in it. After our palms have been blessed, 
we then imitated ourselves, Christ's entry into the earthly Jerusalem by going out in procession outside, waving our branches and singing psalms and hymns. That's our victory dance. But when we came back to the church after we processed around in the yard, we are actually transported then to a different procession. Our procession becomes a very different procession than imitating Christ coming into Jerusalem. We come back and the doors of the church are shut. We are outside and there is a choir inside. And there is an antiphonal song that is exchanged between us, between those of us outside the shut doors and those inside. We are now no longer entering the earthly Jerusalem with the crowds and Jesus. Now we are banging on the gate of heaven. And the heavenly choir sings and the earthly choir responds and we recount the victory of Christ through his cross. And when we finish this song, the subdeacon bangs on the gate of heaven with the cross. It is the cross that has opened the gate of eternal life for us, our entrance into heaven. And those gates are flung open, even maybe with a little difficulty this morning, but they did get open. Sometimes it's hard to get into heaven. But you must persist. The doors of heaven are flung open. And we enter with Christ now into the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the ascension. You said we go through everything. We go all the way through the ascension and through Pentecost, if you listen to the prayers carefully. So as we come into the church, this is us rising with Christ. Our elder brother, the God-man, made king, given dominion and power in the ascension. And we enter into the heavenly Jerusalem here, the eternal city, which is our home. Then mass begins. <laughs> and everything begins to shift. Everything takes us to that dark night of his passion as we now prepare for Good Friday. The choir sings another introit. This time it's not Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This time it is, O Lord, thou art my succor. Haste thee to help me, save me from the lion's mouth. They sing again before the gospel. My God, my God, look upon thee. Why hast thou forsaken me? And then as we prepare ourselves for his death by the reading of the long and sorrowful passion gospel, the joy of our procession is eclipsed, even though we still hold our palm branches. Now we have to pass through a dark night of betrayal, suffering, and death, which is the only way to our joy. And as we prepare to offer the sacrifice of the Mass, in just a few moments, again, you will hear the choir sing in the offertory sentence, this psalm, Thy rebuke hath broken my heart. This is the voice of Christ praying through the prophet David. I am full of heaviness. 
I looked for some to have pity on me, but there was no man. Neither found I any to comfort me. They gave me gall to eat, and when I was thirsty, they gave me vinegar to drink. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.